Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a little bit of biblical prophecy, see how much of it is actually coming true. But more importantly, let's take a look at the end of the book, if you will. Jeff Kinley is with me today here on The Bottom Line once again. Jeff's podcasts, The Prophecy Pros and uh, Vintage Truth, are heard and seen in more than 130 countries. You see him on his channel, TV, the Jeff Kinley Live program. And uh, he's the author of nearly 40 books, including the one we're going to discuss today, which is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. I've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff Kinley, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. It's great to be back with you, Roger. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about Bible prophecy stuff coming true or just stuff that we can be looking for right now. Because, I mean, one of the things that you have been talking about in your ministry for many, many years, and we have benefited, I was going back through our archives, I think we, the Bottom Line Show has been on the air for 12 years, and for six of those years, you've been kind of one of our end times prophecy experts. So I appreciate the what you have shared with our listeners up to this point, and even uh, for the next hour or so as we have this conversation. Um where more and more people are looking around at the signs of the times, wanting to interpret them properly. And it all goes back to the fact that, you know, one of the quickest ways to clear a room is for the pastor to say, we're getting ready to start a Bible study in the book of Revelation, <laughs> you know, because either it's too terrifying for some people or the pastors just don't want to touch it. You give us a good overview in God's grand finale. Why this book right now? Well, I think one thing is that people are looking around the world and they're just asking the question, what is going on? Uh, the world is changing rapidly. Things are accelerating at unprecedented paces. And there's a lot of confusion right now. And I think even within the body of Christ, uh, within churches, people are just, th there's just this white noise that's out there. They don't know how to make sense of it all. And of course, the Bible does make sense of it. And so uh, it's something that right now, I think if a pastor were to announce he's going to preach on Revelation, he might actually fill the room because people <laughs> are are just so interested. And as I travel all around the country, what I'm finding are just packed houses, auditoriums of people that just want to know, what does my God tell me about the times in which I'm living? There are some characteristics that we see in the book of Revelation about God that many people, I think, will look at and say, oh, yeah, I, I know that. that. That makes a lot of sense. And others that are going to seem a little unfamiliar. How did you boil it down to 13? Are these the most salient ones? Or is there more? And we're going to get God's grand finale part two and three at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, as I went through Revelation, you know, most people look at Revelation. They say, well, it's a book about the future, which it certainly is about the tribulation, the second coming, all those things. But And that's one of the reasons why people avoid it, because they can't really wrap their mind around the apocalypse. But as it turns out, God's last book that he ever wrote wasn't just a book to give us a heads up on history, but it was a book to tell us about himself. If you think about it, Roger, this is God's last book. It's his final, the grand finale, we call it. And he wanted his church, uh, his bride, to know who he was. So I think those thir there's 13 attributes that I have sort of recognized as the 13 major attributes. And certainly, I think if you sifted a revelation out some more, you get some more out of there. But I think that those 13 really represent uh, a totality, if you will, of the character of God and who God is. And it's who he wants us to know he is in these last days. I love that aspect of God as Jeff Kinley is discussing it with us today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, the the idea that it is a glory of God to make a, you know, a, a, a truth, a treasure truth hidden and, and give us the opportunity to find it. And I appreciate the fact that you've given us a treasure map, if you will, to look at uh, Revelation 13 and say, okay, this is who God is and this is who he wants us to know that he is. And and you start right 
right off the bat in Revelation chapter one, uh, talking about that God is the God who reveals. Talk about what that revelation, of course, obviously the title of that uh, chapter of scripture, but what, what does that really mean? What does it encompass? Well, two things. I mean, obviously the word revelation means to unveil. So it means to show or to demonstrate, to uncover, uh, which is sort of ironic in that most people think revelation is a hidden book or mm -hmm. a closed book or a book that can't be understood. When right. God says, well, I put the very title revelation to tell you that, yes, you can understand it. So that's one thing. Uh, but the second part, Roger, is just the fact that uh, God wants us to know who he is. In fact, Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, he said, this is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So really the essence of the Christian life is knowing God. And we get that from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it's just that God puts this exclamation point on who he is in the book of Revelation. So had God not revealed himself to us through through creation, through nature, uh, through divine revelation, uh, through Christ himself, through the word of God, we wouldn't know very much about God. But thankfully, uh, Jesus incarnated the Father for us, and we know who God is through Christ, and we know who God is through what he tells us in his word. So that's what Revelation ends up doing for us. It just gives us this, this huge picture of God. And it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because Revelation is seen as a book, sort of more of an academic book, because it does detail with events about the end times. But it turns out it's a really deep devotional guide to God himself. And that's, I think, the surprise most people don't know about. You know, I, I was thinking as you were sharing that, Jeff, about what it's like to be in a situation where you are at an event or something like that. You're around people who have a certain level of notoriety. And then you realize that you have a relationship with the person who's running the event or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so while all these other people are, you know, jockeying for position and trying to get in there, they'll see there go, oh, Jeff, come on over here, sit at the best table, you know, that type of thing. And the feeling that we have there. And that's just a small glimpse. I mean, it doesn't even begin to compare to what you were describing, but it's the same type of process, isn't it? I mean, the fact that one yeah. of the, the beauties that we find in Revelation is that God really wants that we can have a relationship with him. He knows us, but we can know him that intimately as well. That's so true. I, I've been to places where uh, I've gone to concerts where I've known the band and, you know, someone will come out in the audience and say, hey, the, the band wants you to come backstage and hang out with them or whatever. Well, that's what God does with the book of Revelation. He says, hey, I'm going to part the curtain here. I want you to come backstage. I want to reveal to you uh, who I am. And you need to know who I am, particularly in these confusing times, because the times in which we live, I think, create, uh, they create ignorance, they create deception, they create misinformation, not only about what's going on in the world, but about God himself. So it's so neat that God just gave this clear word about his character and who he is to the church in the last days so that she could be ready for his return. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We've got a link for his website up at thebottomlineshow.com, as well as information on this brand new book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days about the book of Revelation. And, and here we are, uh, Jeff, talking about the God who wants to know us and wants us to know him. And yet the very next principle that you uncover here is something you call the unfamiliar Jesus. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't know him necessarily, but why do you refer to him that way? Yeah, the, the Jesus that is portrayed in the book of Revelation is, is a starkly different portrayal uh, than the one who's really preached in most churches today, unfortunately. We, we typically think of Christ as the life of Christ. He's walking around in sandals. He's blessing people, turning water into wine, having kids in his lap. And certainly he did all those things. He was meek and mild in, in that sense. But the Revelation Jesus is one who has now not only risen from the dead, 
but he's exalted. He's glorified. Mm. He's at the right hand of the father. And so in, in chapter one of revelation, revelation begins, and this is really the key to understanding the book of revelation is to first see the risen Christ, see the glorified Christ. And so, so John is given this revelation vision that begins with this Christ who has eyes of blazing fire, hair white as wool, his feet are burnished as mm. bronze. He's wearing this girdle, this judgment girdle, this robe of righteousness and that type of thing. And when John encounters this Christ, uh, instead of walking with him on the road to Emmaus, it says he falls to his feet, uh, to Jesus' feet as a dead man. Uh, essentially, John's central nervous system just shuts down <laughs> and he loses all sense of who he is. And he, he's like, I'm just, a, I go unconscious in the presence of this Christ. And that's an encounter that, you know, people don't have of Christ today. There's not this reverential awe, this sense that I'm in the presence of Almighty God himself. And so we tend to think of Jesus more for, as our buddy uh, rather than as our sovereign Lord. And so, so, so that's how the whole book begins. And of course, Christ reaches out his hand and says, hey, fear not, it's me. Uh, I was dead. I'm alive. Uh, John, everything's okay. Now, let me give you the rest of this vision. So uh, I think that's really the key to Revelation is that the church today needs to see who God is. And once we see who he is, we understand who we are even better. I love that. Uh, Jeff Kinley is the author of the book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. If you're listening on terrestrial radio or the podcast or watching us at myhopenow.com, Jeff is very camera ready with the work he does with his channel and, of course, with his podcast as well. Jeff, what's it been like for you in your ministry? We're talking about his new book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. You've been doing this for a while, but I would imagine over the past couple of years, things have really started to pick up in terms of people coming to your website, watching the, his channel uh, video that you do. Is it every week or a couple times a week that you're on his channel.com? Yeah, it's every week uh, with Jeff Kinley live, a show just on Bible prophecy, the prophecy pros that I do a show with Todd Hampson that, uh, right. and both those ministries have just exploded over the past several yeah. years uh, to the point where I'm traveling more than I ever have before writing more books uh, going places, meeting believers. And, and Roger, the great news about that is what we're seeing is we're seeing a remnant in the body of Christ really rise up and say, Hey, I want I truth. It. I want to know what the world, the word says about the world. And so we're just trying to meet that supply and demand as, as much as we can. Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I know we had a chance to connect at the uh, Religious Broadcasters Convention mm -hmm. in Nashville a year or so ago. And since then, you've put out a couple of books and you're just running circles around those of us who just talk for a living. So thank you for the work <laughs> that you're doing. Hey, this new book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in God's and Earth's Last Days, uh, focuses on the book of Revelation. And you have a couple of chapters in this book that are dedicated to the seven churches that are outlined. You call this yeah. the segment where the God who reproves. What can we learn about those churches uh, that you know that are written about from the then and how do they apply to us as believers right now yeah that's a great question i think one strong lesson we can pick up from the churches in revelation 2 and 3 is that keep in mind this is about two generations past 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the church was founded uh, in about 33 AD. By 95 AD, many of these churches no longer rec were recognizable. Uh, mm. It's kind of like meeting someone from your high school reunion, and you're looking at their name tag going, is that really you? Because <laughs> you don't look anything <laughs> like you used to look, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the way it was with the church. I mean, there were at least five of these churches that that were so unrecognizable. And, and the way that they had changed was over time, they had drifted doctrinally, uh, they had uh, decayed morally, uh, they had lost their first love, uh, they were allowing worldly philosophies and teaching in the church, even sinful practices. And so Christ basically came into those churches and said, look, uh, you have got to get your act together so that you and I can have a real relationship again. In fact, with one of the churches, uh, Laodicea, Jesus is portrayed as being outside the church door and knocking on the door mm, of his own mm -hmm. church saying, can I even come in my own church now? And as you look around the church today, the, the world of churches today, certainly that's still true. There are churches that are doctrinally deviant, that are embracing all types of immoral philosophies and, and beliefs and truths out there, doctrines or supposed truths. There are churches that are no longer preaching the Bible. They're preaching uh, self-help sermons. Uh, there are churches that are that have so decayed morally as well. They've invited uh, immoral practices in the church. So there's a lot of similarities and uh, churches that are just kind of there. You know, there's mm -hmm. no, they're not really mm -hmm. doing anything for the kingdom. Uh, there's no fire in the pulpit. There's nothing really going on. And is it any wonder that today there are less people attending church in America than at any point in our our history uh, per capita. And I think that's largely due to the fact that we're not really giving them the solid truth of the word. Uh, we're just doing entertainment shows on Sunday morning. So uh, that's what's going on in the churches in Revelation. Jesus says, you have a, a name for your church for one of them that says you're alive. It's like you're called Life Church or whatever, mm. but you're not even alive. You're a dead church. So uh, there's some direct parallels I think we can draw, not only from a church standpoint, church to church, but also personally for our own lives as well from these churches. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a great reminder, the fact that we see all throughout Scripture that God disciplines those He loves. Correction is, you know, it, it's a it's a part of who we are. And we experience the mercy of God when we're at His at yeah. His throne, you know, at the altar, and, and just basically saying, look, forgive me of my sins. But at the same time, that causes us to want to change, to repent from the sins, to move on, and to see a whole church needing this kind of reproving is it's very telling of the times that we're living in and maybe one more indication that we are living in those end times that we've been reading about for all of our lives. Uh, Jeff Kinley with me today here on The Bottom Line, his book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as you can imagine, nothing but five-star reviews online as well. Let's talk about the, the the worthiness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we talk often about, you know, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Of course, we read in Scripture. But we look at the the praise songs that people are singing these days, and there's kind of been a change in the church culture to where we've kind of moved away from authoring worth, you know, our worship and praise to God, and it's more about this is how I feel about it, you know, as opposed to this is who you are. Talk about why Revelation teaches us that God really is worthy to be praised, and uh, you've got a chapter titled "The Lion, the Lamb, and the Little Book." Talk about that mm -hmm. if you would. Yeah, well, there's about 12 different uh, what we call doxological passages in Revelation. In other words, passages that they're just worship ceremonies, essentially. Mm. And in the book of Revelation, we have one in the chapter five where uh, there's this scroll brought that essentially represents the deed, the title deed to the earth, uh, which in essence is saying this is who's going to rule everything. 
And uh, John looks around in heaven and nobody is found who's worthy enough uh, to break open the scroll. And of course, John begins to weep, uh, you know, horribly because he understands that if someone doesn't come and break this scroll and take ownership of humanity and the earth and history and the future, then Satan's going to continue to rule. Sin's going to continue to reign on this earth. And all of a sudden, uh, someone touches him and says, hey, don't weep. The lion from the tribe of Judah is worthy to break this scroll. And to me, it's one of the most heroic moments in all of the Bible that we get to see Jesus, this great hero, uh, coming in and taking that scroll from the Father's hand and breaking open that scroll. And it calls him the Lamb who is worthy. And I, and I told the group last night at a local Bible study I teach, Roger, I said, you know, we have only begun in our the totality of our Christian lives, we've only begun to just scratch the surface about what it means to truly ascribe honor and glory and power and, and, and majesty to our great God. And, and so that's one of the things that Revelation does. It helps us have what I call elevator thoughts. It takes our thoughts and mm -hmm. exalts God with them so where we can kind of see things and see God in a way we never have before. And the residual effect from that is we start worshiping him at a level we've never worshiped him before. So that's just one little snippet out of what we get when we really dive headfirst into the book of Revelation. You know, as we're talking about this uh, issue of God's grand finale with Jeff Kinley today here on the bottom line, the wrath, grace, and glory in Earth's last days. Uh, you mentioned the you know the the worthiness of God to be worshipped, and I was thinking there's you've got another chapter where you talk about God's sovereignty. And as I was flipping through it, I, it occurred to me I'm 62 years old. I've heard one sermon in the pulpit, and it happened recently, about a year ago, about the throne room. I mean, mm. everything else that I mean it's kind of mystical mysteries, wow. you know, that just kind of stays out. And I realize I'm a California guy, so maybe that, you know, that doesn't fall into the four points in a poem or five tips for a happy marriage, <laughs> you know, that you see so often in West Coast churches. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's nice to see even that type of pseudo-theology going away, you know, and it said, hey, let's preach about sin, let's preach about judgment, let's preach about God's sovereignty. Talk about what we can glean from Revelation for those who are kind of in my situation saying, I haven't heard a lot of teaching on this, I haven't done a lot of study on this. I, You've got a chapter that I think kind of points us in the direction where we need to be. Yeah, well, there's several things about that that are, I think, truly amazing from the book. The, the first is, is this, is that God designed us as people and as worshipers to engage our minds with him, to engage the truth about who he is and what he has done, what he's going to do. And for that truth, then to filter down into our wills, our choices, and then eventually into our emotions. What we do today is we flip that model and we say, let's begin with emotion, no truth, just emotion. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then the truth has to, in essence, be the caboose of the train and get behind whatever emotions that you want to, to drive the train with. But God says, it's just the opposite. I want to tell you who I am. And as a, as a result of knowing who I am, you're going to be impacted in certain ways. And that's what we find in Revelation chapter four. So Jesus has just rebuked the churches. He tells them to get ready because he wants to have a relationship with them again. The very next verse says, Jesus looks at John and says, come up here. And so John essentially is raptured up into heaven. Mm. And it says the first thing he sees is, is not angels, not the beauty of heaven, uh, not other people. It says he sees a throne. And 13 times in 11 verses, the word throne is mentioned. And it just speaks of God's great uh, overarching rule and authority and sovereignty over all that there is. And you say, well, why did, why did God do that? And why did he do it then? 
Well, when you start reading in chapter six about the judgments that are going to come, chapter six through 19 entails a time of horrific apocalyptic judgments on humanity. It's a horrible time to be alive. God knew that John first needed to know that while all that chaos is going on, everything is okay in heaven, that heaven mm -hmm. never dials 911, mm -hmm. that there's never an emergency session that heaven meets in uh, up there because God has it all under control. And, and Roger, there's a direct application, I think, for our lives as well. As we look at the chaos, the confusion, uh, the, the insurrection, uh, where things are going in our own world, there's a tendency to wonder who's driving the bus, you know, who's in <laughs> right, charge of this right. thing, you know, and, yeah. and yet God is in heaven saying, look, I have a throne here. And if there's a throne in heaven, then everything is under control. And as someone once uh, beautifully said, uh, God's sovereignty is my serenity. And mm. so that kind of calms Beautiful. us, you know, in mm -hmm. our lives to know that he's in charge and we need that now and we need it knowing what's going to happen in the world in the world's coming. Boy, that is for sure. And Jeff Kinley is encouraging us and exhorting us uh, simultaneously with the work that he has done for this new book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace and Glory in Earth's Last Days. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new world. We're going to talk about the king finally returning, but we're also going to talk about a last great awakening. All, did that whet your appetite? Okay, stay with us through the break. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Glad to have you along for the ride today. Boy, do we have a good conversation going. Jeff Kinley is with me. Uh, Jeff is the author of the brand new book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we are giving away multiple copies. What do we have, three? maybe four copies of this book to give away here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, encourage you to give us a call. This is a great resource to have. It's a, a one of those things that's just so helpful. There are 13 different areas where you have an opportunity to learn more about who God is and your relationship with him. And here on Everyone Wednesday, this is a great book by Jeff Kinley that we're giving away today. It's called God's Grand Finale, 800-227-5278. Also want to mention, since it's Everyone Wednesday, we have a pair of tickets for the special fundraising event for our friends at Lutheran Social Services, Southern California. It's coming up Saturday, October the 7th. It uh, starts at 5 p.m., I believe, uh, and it's going to be a beautiful, uh, wonderful sit-down dinner at the Mission 
Admission Inn. Now, ordinarily, these tickets cost about $300 a piece. We have a pair of them that we're giving away. That's part of the tickets and fun things that we're giving away here on Everyone Wednesday. So 800-227-5278 for Jeff Kinley's book and also for the tickets to the Lutheran Social Services Gala at the Mission Inn in Riverside. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then yesterday on the program, you probably heard me mention an anonymous donor has come forward to help us in the efforts with preborn. And has said, look, I would like to make it possible for us to donate two ultrasound machines to preborn clinics. And so those two ultrasound machines would cost about $15,000 a piece, which means that we then would have uh, the opportunity to, uh, you know, raise 15,000 and, 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 you know, figure it out that way. So here's the good news. We have a $15,000 match in place. And I'm grateful that in fact, we do have that match in place. We are now taking donations to match that And so I want to give a shout out, as they say, uh, the kids like to do, to Stephanie in San Marcos, who gave a donation of $150 against that match. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for doing that yesterday. And then Fred in Lake Forest, who also gave a $28 donation. Remember that that $150 donation toward the, uh, the ultrasound machine will now be doubled. And, uh, the idea that, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the match for uh, Fred's match of $28, that's the cost typically of one ultrasound appointment. So we've got $15,000 match uh, to get us two ultrasound machines. It's $15,000 to put an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic. And thanks to our anonymous donor for making that possible. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or you can give a gift online at kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Just click on the preborn banner. We've got a new one up there now. It's a little boy in a blue blanket. He's really cute. And every time Lisa sees it, she goes, oh, <laughs> it's very cute. But trust me, every $28 donation saves a baby's life. Every $15,000 donation means that a preborn clinic will have an ultrasound machine that's in good working order for at least 10 years. And every ultrasound that is performed, as it were, means that the enemy does not get another foothold in the mind of a woman who might be confused about the sanctity of human life and what's really going on inside of her own body. It's good information that she needs to have. So thank you for supporting Preborn today. More of my conversation with Jeff Kinley on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law fights for your rights inside and outside the courtroom. As an experienced trial attorney, Stephanie knows that litigating inside a courtroom often costs you more in terms of money, stress, and time. That's why, for the client's sake, she will work hard to settle without the need for a costly trial. Stephanie consistently led her firm in settled cases each month. Because Stephanie worked for insurance companies for decades, she knows how to talk to them. Her knowledge of the insurance process means she's highly qualified and even enjoys talking to insurance adjusters and attorneys on your behalf. Stephanie challenges them with tough questions and holds them accountable for your benefit. When you're in an accident, you want an attorney that will protect your rights and get you the settlement you deserve. Call the attorney who knows the insurance company's processes inside and out and will fight for your total compensation. Call Stephanie Cover at Cover Law today at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or just go to kbrightradio.com slash cover today. 
Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Jeff is the author of nearly 40 books on Bible prophecy, end times, and the like. Uh, he has the host of the Prophecy Pros podcast and also Vintage Truth. He's heard in more than 130 countries, not counting his work on the His Channel TV show, Jeff Kinley Live, which happens once a week and is devoted to Bible prophecy. And uh, Jeff has uh, found a home in Arkansas. You still got you guys still headquartered there? Absolutely. Yeah, right good good for you. Yeah. And if, no plans on getting well because why not you you knew this was happening before everybody else did you know no one wants to live in new york city or la anymore it's like go to little rock that's a better place to be his most recent book is called god's grand finale wrath grace and glory in earth's last days it's a study of the book of revelation and it focuses on focuses on 13 characteristics of god that are in the book of revelation uniquely and uh, we're taking kind of a tour of those uh, 13 characteristics today here on the bottom line show uh jeff during the break you and i were talking about the fact that one of the things that's a bit of a paradox for a lot of believers and maybe even unbelievers too not wondering you know how this could possibly happen but god is a god of wrath he's also a god of grace and especially we see this in revelation they're kind of right side by side with each other talk about how we'll experience the wrath of god here on earth but we will also experience the great graciousness of God about the same time. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about God is that even during a time when he unleashes really some of his worst end times wrath, worst apocalyptic wrath that's ever been on the planet. In fact, nothing quite compares to it except maybe the days of Noah and the flood judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, but but when God uh, unleashes his fury and his anger on unrepentant center, sinners mm. uh, during the tribulation period, there's going to be uh, a time of, of unprecedented um, just suffering on the planet. And, uh, and they're all going to know that it's from God. In fact, at the end of chapter six of Revelation, it says that, uh, that everybody from the kings down to the peasants and the slaves, they all cry out and say, hide us from the wrath of him who sits on the throne and from the lamb. So yeah. I like to say that during the tribulation, there won't be a single atheist walking the planet. <laughs> yes. Every single atheist will have at least admitted the fact that there is a God, because that's where these judgments are coming from. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting is that during the time where uh, this, these judgments are being poured out on the earth, at the very beginning of the tribulation period, we see a great revival taking place. Now, these are the people, Roger, that have been left behind, I believe, at the rapture. Mm -hmm. uh, these people who have said no to Christ all their life, the rapture occurred, all of a sudden now here comes these judgments from God. And perhaps even in the moments after the rapture occurs, some of these people will start repenting and giving their lives to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but it says in John chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter seven, that John sees a multitude that is so great. He says, I just lost count of them. There's just so many hmm. people. And, and he says that they're, they're myriads of myriads, which is a word he uses in the Greek language that uh, it's the word, uh, the number, number rather is 10,000, which is the highest number that John could call upon. It'd be like us saying it's gazillion times a gazillion, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he sees this vast multitude of new believers that have come out of the trip that come out of the tribulation. And of course, chapter six tells us that, that many of them will lose their lives because the whole world's going to turn on anyone that represents the God that's bringing these judgments. And so they're going to be killed. Many of them are. Uh, but at the same time, there's a great last day's revival. And, and so what that really tells us is this, is that even in the last moments, as the storm clouds are gathering, using the, the, the imagery of the days of Noah, the clouds are gathering, they're getting dark. It's about to thunder and lightning and bring this deluge. It's going to destroy everything on the planet. Even then, God says, the door's still open. 
The door to the ark is still open. So come, come now. Uh, don't wait until the later on the tribulation where no one's going to come to Christ. You need to come to Christ right now. And many do. And so those are going to be our brothers and sisters in heaven. Uh, yes. They'll be baby believers, as, as we've said, but they'll be strong believers because they know that to make a commitment to Christ in that day uh, means that it's it's got to be real. And so many of them, as I said, will go to their deaths because of it. Jeff Kinley, uh, encouraging us, but also exhorting us today with good news from the book of Revelation here on the Bottom Line Show. The book he's written is about, about this whole issue. It's called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, God, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, you have a chapter in the book, which I, I love. It's very provocative. The Lord's Prayer Answered. And you talk about a passage in Revelation chapter 20, where we see that the God who reigns, and when you think about, now I went back, but wait a minute, the, our Father who art now, I'm kind of refraining my mind saying, wait a minute, what, what do you mean the Lord's Prayer answered? Talk about what you mean by that, because I've always thought of the Lord's Prayer as kind of a, a template for us as Christ followers to, to use when we petition heaven, but you're talking about the fulfillment of this. Absolutely. You know, Jesus came the first time, uh, he came to his Jewish people, and he came to be their Messiah. Uh, because back in Second Samuel, God had promised David that there would be uh, a, a someone to reign on his throne for forever, uh, eventually. And so Christ comes, offers himself as the Messiah. They reject him, and so they forfeit having him come and be King Jesus for them on the earth. Hmm. So he taught them, he said, but I want you to pray for the future kingdom that's going to come. And so every time you say, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's referring to Christ's millennial kingdom ah. that we see all throughout the Old Testament, but we don't know how long it's going to be until we get to the book of Revelation chapter 20, where six times in seven verses, it says it's a thousand years. It's a thousand years. And so Christ is going to come back. He's going to reign on the earth. It's going to be a time of, of true justice of true equality, of, of true righteousness on the earth. And uh, that'll be a time when it says the lion will lay down with the lamb. It says in Isaiah that the child yes. will put his hand in the cobra's nest and won't get bit. Uh, there'll be harmony in the animal kingdom uh, among people as well. And it'll just be a great time where we'll be able to really enjoy Christ and one another and the earth uh, in a way that we've never had before. So it, it's a great hope and a great future. How do we start living like that right now, Jeff Kinley? And I ask that most sincerely because the pressures of everyday life, the day in, the day out, I mean, obviously it, it's really easy for us here in 2023 to say, I'm glad that this is recorded in Revelation. I'm glad John saw these visions 2000 years ago. And I don't want to, you know, no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but how do we start, you know, living with this kind of anticipation, what you're talking about right now? I mean, what, what are some things that we could be practically doing short of just running around saying the sky is falling, but Jesus is coming back? I mean, which is <laughs> kind of where we fall in that category a little too quickly. Yeah. Well, I think it begins with anticipation. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, uh, you see dozens and dozens of verses where that church believed that Jesus could come back at any time. So yeah. there was a sense of expectation, of, of hope, of anxiously awaiting. All those words are used uh, to describe his return at the rapture. You know, I hear people today, we're, we're about to take a trip, uh, lead a trip to Israel. Awesome. And uh, someone told me today, they said, look, I can't wait because I'm marking the date. I can't wait till it happens. There needs to be that sort of looking forward to. Uh, and as we think about the millennial kingdoms, we think about our future home in heaven, there, there should be a sense of, of longing for that. You know, Paul said in Philippians uh, 3.20, he said, our citizenship is in heaven 
from which we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a sense in which, you know, we're down here now, uh, but this is not our final home. And so we right. do long for that home. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is to do all the good that we can for God with the time that we've been given. So we're all sort of on a, on a time clock, you know, whether it be for our lifespan or whether it be for the time when the rapture occurs, we don't know if we've got five days or, or 50 years, right. uh, but we, we do know that we're all under a stewardship of time. And I think part of the wisdom of living uh, with Christ is just thinking, God, how can I uh, most, most wisely apply the gifts, the talents, the time, the energy, the relationships that you've given to me to help leverage those things for the kingdom of God. So to be about the Lord's work, obviously to continue to get to know him while you're here. But I, I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, uh, therefore, my beloved brethren, uh, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And he said those words right after telling us about the rapture event. So, so basically what Paul is saying is get busy for God, because whatever you do for him is going to count. Mm -hmm. And that you talk about making your life count for something, making it count for the kingdom of God is the greatest investment we could ever do. And we, we do that every time we, we parent our children, every time we work to the glory of God, every time we share the gospel and every time we live uh, worthy lives of integrity before a watching world. Well, that's great. And a great admonition from Jeff Kinley today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we hear about how God's a God who forgives, a God who shows mercy, a God who's gracious and kind and compassionate. But there will come a day when, as Jeff writes in his book, God's Grand Finale, uh, the court will have no more appeals. It, it'll be a final judgment. Let's get into that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Barsh. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. And there's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff, in the book, you, you've identified 13 different revelations about God that we only find here in the book of Revelation. And I, I, I'm grateful that you have kind of... Um, combed these uh, uh, these passages for us to come up with what you've discovered. Um, we know that God is going to show himself to be faithful, but with, with the king is returning, of course, Jesus Christ. And then you talk about the court of no appeals that we read about in Revelation chapter 20. For all the times that people have you know, said, I'm so glad God gave me a second chance. I'm so glad I could repent of my sin and turn away and come back and come back and there's going to come a point where basically that book is closed. Talk about what that, uh, what the God who recompenses, as you write about, is all about. Now, according to Revelation's narrative, at the end of Christ's thousand-year reign upon the earth, there's going to come a time that's known as the Great White Throne Judgment. I read about that in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, at that time, everyone who has been uh, in hell, essentially, is going to be brought out to uh, God's great courtroom. And individually, the Bible says that they're going to be judged uh, for, for what they did in their life and for their rejection of Christ. It says that the book of life is open mm -hmm. and other books are open, which many believe that, that those really contain all of the sins that those people have committed. Mm. But either way, uh, they're standing before God. Uh, and what's what's really horrifying about that scene is that there's no defense attorney for those people. Right. Uh, they've been in hell because they actively uh, chose to reject Christ. Uh, they said no, and God gave them exactly what they wanted. But now God says it's time for you to, to be sentenced to your final judgment. So after the books are read, 
the gavel is is laid down on on God's bench and they're sent off into the lake of fire where they will spend forever and ever and ever. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation 14, the smoke of their torment rises forever. Mm. And so uh, it's a court of no appeals. Now, here's the good news is that right now there is an attorney standing by. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he is the one who has atoned for our sins. And scripture says he is our great advocate with the father. And uh, let me tell you something. Jesus never loses a case. Uh, he, <laughs> Amen. Goes, yes. he goes before the father for you. You're going to be forgiven and you're right. going to be ushered into God's presence. So that's the good news. And so rather than to be on that day, to be resurrected out of hell before God's throne, to be judged forever, uh, why not have your sins forgiven right now and settle that court issue, settle out of court right now, uh, mm-hmm. not for anything you pay, but for what he, the attorney himself, uh, will pay for your sins and has already paid for your sins at the cross. And so, uh, again, while God uh, is showing us that scene in the very next scene, he shows us what those of us who have been forgiven get in eternity, which is heaven, a new heaven Mm. and a new earth. Mm -hmm. And that recreation is so beautiful. It's interesting, Jeff, as you were sharing about this court of no appeals, as you call it in the book, God's Grand Finale. I was thinking back to earlier in our conversation, we were talking about the God who reveals himself to us, who not only wants to know us and does know us, but also wants us to know him. And we kind of talked about that red carpet, uh, red velvet rope, you know, treatment where you know Mm -hmm. somebody in the band and they let you backstage and you get Mm -hmm. to go meet the important people. And the idea that we can stand before our judge and know that our advocate, Jesus Christ, is there. And all of a sudden, it changes God's countenance because he looks at us and sees him. And, and so right. then uh, we've, we've received that gift, not because of anything that we did, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And, 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 and that having that kind of access, and I, I can almost hear you know, the, the cries, the wails of the people who reject that, but then the relief of the people who have received it, you know, that, that good yeah. news and the fact that there still is time for people to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to receive the gift of salvation, uh, which enables the, which is given to us by the gift of faith. And, and what a, uh, now that new heaven and new earth is going to be so glorious and so wonderful. Um, the offer of a lifetime is how the book of Revelation ends. Oftentimes we focus on the, you know, the amen and the amen and, you know, that at the end of it, to close the book and it's all done. But you talk about the God who calls is still calling us right now. Talk, take the final moments of our time together and and expand upon that, if you would. Yeah, Revelation ends with really good news. And basically, God is saying, you don't have to suffer through this. You don't have to suffer through the tribulation. You don't have to suffer through uh, the great white throne judgment. Uh, All you need to do is to simply come, come to the one who died for you. It says that let the spirit and the bride say, come. And Jesus issues a really a call of urgency there. He says, look, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming back to render according to every man, according to his deeds. So, so make right, get your accounts in order uh, with your creator, uh, with your God, and make sure that your sins have been forgiven. But Roger, I think that is a a great way for God to end his great grand finale book is is simply to give an offer. And it is the offer of a lifetime. No one will ever love us like Christ loves us. No one will ever be able to die for us and pay the price that he paid. Uh, Nobody will ever be the friend that Christ is to us. No one will ever be the advocate, the counselor, uh, the, the redeemer that Christ is to us. And that's how Revelation begins telling us how great he is on our behalf. And it ends by inviting us to participate yes. in that. 
And, and I guess I would just finally say that when you do come to Christ, you, you enter into a relationship uh, for which you were originally made. You end up finding out who you really are and who you're really meant to be. And it, it really embarks you upon a great adventure in life, a life of faith, a life of love, a life of enjoying the God who made you. And then finally, you get to spend eternity not only with him, but with all the other saints who have all mm -hmm. been per perfected as well in a place that cannot even be described with human words. So only hope and, and great happiness await those who know Jesus Christ. What a powerful altar call from Jeff Kinley today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff, in our final moments, I, I'm looking at this and seeing 13 lessons, which sounds like a great sermon series or a Bible study. Is there additional curriculum that you're encouraging pastors and Bible study leaders to get and use this resource in that way? You know, I wrote the book specifically so that each pastor or small group leader could simply study the chapter for themselves and then just develop their own questions for study. Uh, I didn't want to pre do prescriptive words for them. I wanted them to be able to really extract what would be meaningful for their group or their church. So each chapter really does lend itself to a, a study. The blueprint is there. Go ahead and build upon this and, and use this example and, uh, and and know that you're in very, very good hands with a guy who is a, a very gifted, a, a skilled communicator and who shares this freely with people in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ as well, Jeff Kinley. Uh, Jeff, what you're headed to Israel soon, you mentioned earlier? Yeah, headed to Israel in a couple of weeks uh, in the midst of a lot of other travel as well. So we can't wait to go there and experience God again. I love that. Well, we will certainly keep you in prayer and we'll have your website lo loaded up at thebottomlineshow.com and we look forward to when you're back, maybe uh, connecting with you again in Nashville next February and seeing, I'm sure you'll have two or three other books ready to go by then. <laughs> I mean, just the way things are going, but- uh, Lord willing, I'll be there. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, we'll look forward yeah. to it. Till then, Jeff Kinley, thank you so much for your time today. The book again is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff Kinley, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. Wow, we packed so much into this past hour, but it was definitely worth the effort to make the investment to uh, give you the opportunity to hear what Jeff Kinley has to say about these 13 revelations about God that are revealed in the book of Revelation. And he has compacted them, kind of boiled them down into a useful study guide for pastors and anyone who wants to study this. Again, the book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is Everyone Wednesday, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, you heard Jeff say just a moment ago, the book is written in such a way that if you're a pastor and you're looking to do a Bible study, maybe a midweek Bible study series, or perhaps a Sunday night conversation about this with your congregation, this is a great resource to use. He's given you uh, 13 different examples uh, from the book of Revelation, and, and basically the guts are all there. Go ahead and provide your own platform and do it the way you uh, feel led to do it, have that conversation. But please understand, and I, this, I'm exhorting anybody in any sort of leadership, but also each of us as individual members of the body of Christ. Um, I have never been more convinced than I have been over the past couple of years that the end times thing is upon us. When you look at the timeline of things that are happening in the world right now, and the number of prophetic experts that God is raising up to give us a clearer picture of what's going on. I believe God is a God of grace. 
He's a gracious God, but he's also a God of, uh, uh, how did uh, Jeff describe it in his book? He's also a God of reproving and recompense. This is a God who <laughs> will correct those who need correcting, but at some point uh, there is going to come a time when that balance is due. Um, I encourage you, I implore you to get a copy of this book, especially these three free ones that we're giving away, one per household for three families. 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Some final thoughts on God's grand finale coming up next as the bottom line continues. Our friends at Preborn always do such a great job of keeping us up to date with bottom line show listeners, especially here in Southern California, who reach out to us and let us know that they are supporting Preborn. Uh, Milton in Lake Elsinore reached out over Labor Day weekend and made a gift of $840, a one-time donation to support ultrasounds and the uh, making them available to women all throughout the Southland through Preborn. Uh, if you're wondering why $840, it costs $28 to provide an ultrasound. That's the images, the pregnancy test, the meeting with the technician to show you how far along you are, and then to explain what your options are and 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and get the ultrasound test done for free to them we pay for it i mean we as supporters of preborn 85% uh, of the women choose life for their children either to become a mother or to release that child for adoption do what milton did he picked 30 I, i'm not what sure the, the math was behind that but he picked 30 kids to sponsor 30 appointments at 28 dollars a piece $840 donation, one-time tax deductible. Make your gift today, 833-850-BABY, uh, 833-850-2229, or go online to kbrightradio.com. You'll see a picture of a couple of cute uh, newborn twins. Click that banner, make your donation today. My thanks again to Jeff Kinley for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. Jeff is the host of Jeff Kinley Live, which airs on the His Channel Network, uh, hischannel.com, every once a week. And then he also does pod, uh, he does podcasting, the prophecy pros, and uh, he and Todd Sampson have been on the broadcast before. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale. And it's interesting. Uh, coming up next week on uh, the National Crawford Roundtable, uh, the four of us are back at it. And Bob and Neil and uh, John and I, we're going to be discussing this whole issue of, you know, has it gotten so bad in the U.S. that maybe we need to start thinking about taking the government back in the direction of the original founders? And, you know, one of the things that I know Neil will say, I will say this too, is when you get right down to it, there are certain things that you do because it's a good godly thing to do to stand up to tyranny, et cetera, et cetera. But there are other things too where you look at the signs of the times and ask the question, how close are we to the end of the world? And in Jeff Kinley's book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days, we see 13 different places in Revelation where God simultaneously tells us about what's going to happen in these final days, but also reveals a little bit more about himself so that we can know him more intimately. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's Everyone Wednesday today here on The Bottom Line Show. We've got three copies of Jeff's books that we're giving away right now. And I would love to give one to you. Also, uh, if you don't win one of the books, we have a pair of tickets to the Lutheran Social Services Gala, which is happening at the Mission Inn in Riverside on, on Saturday night, October the 7th. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, one of the signs of the end times for sure is just the complete disregard for the biblical worldview as the moral standard of anything. And one of the places where that is showing up far more uh, intently in these last days 
is in the sanctity of human life. The complete disregard for the sanctity of human life, whether it be the elderly, uh, whether it be uh, the preborn child in the womb or people with uh, different uh, intellectual developmental delays and, and things of that nature. Um, it, coming up in the final half hour of today's program, I'm going to do a little analysis, balance, and clarity on Assembly Bill 957 here in the People's Republic of California, uh, where uh, parents who do not affirm the gender dysphoria their kids might be going through will be deemed unfit to parent and potentially lose custody of their children altogether. But when it comes to the kids to whom we've been entrusted, a lot of women have made decisions to end pregnancies, to abort those children, simply because they weren't given good information. And part of the reason I'm so passionate about preborn is preborn has the ultimate weapon in the battle for truth when it comes to the sanctity of human life in the, uh, in the womb, and that is an ultrasound machine. And I'll tell you, um, the, the great thing about ultrasound machines is a woman can go to a clinic, a preborn clinic, have a pregnancy test, have a, uh, an ultrasound done, get the pictures of that baby, 4D imaging, and just say, wow, isn't this amazing? Isn't this incredible? Now here are your three options. Option number one, of course, is you're a mother. Congratulations. Option number two, we know in the People's Republic of California, is you can end the pregnancy by aborting the child. But option number three is adoption. And it's amazing how many women will see a, an ultrasound image of their child and then figure out that they have two options that are really good for the kid. And that is either mom's going to be a mom or release the child for adoption. We have a donor who's a listener of the Bottom Line Show and is pretty passionate about this who wants to see us uh, move the needle, so to speak, to get us to the point where we would actually have two more preborn clinics outfitted, equipped with uh, these ultrasound machines. And that's why this anonymous donor has put up a $15,000 matching gift. $15,000 covers the cost of one um, ultrasound machine. However, with this matching gift, it means that we are halfway there to getting two together. And uh, Stephanie uh, called in from San Marcos yesterday with a $150 donation. That $150 now becomes uh, $300 because of the special match. And Fred in Lake Forest called in a $28 donation. That $28 becomes 56. How much will your donation be doubled? Well, that depends on where you start. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Give a donation $500 and watch it become 1,000. The sooner we get to 15,000, the special matching gift unlocks and two ultrasound machines will be placed. Let's do that before October 15th. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, that analysis, balance, and clarity on AB 957 coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. My thanks again to Jeff Kinley. Boy, Jeff has, I, I was looking back through our archives here since yesterday. We were being all reflective, you know, the 12th anniversary of the program. And I think I first met Jeff about six years ago. I mean, he, he's got half of the life of the Bottom Line Show with him for being with us. And uh, the great, you know, these uh, Bible prophecy guys, the podcast that they have. They, I can't recommend enough. Jeff does a Q&A program that airs on hischannel.com. And I know from having spent about six months as a news anchor on hischannel.com, uh, it was a great honor, privilege, thanks to uh, everybody who was there to gave me that opportunity to uh, to do so. And uh, my buddies Brian Perez and Kevin Allison now handle that. But 
Um, his channel's got a great reach, and uh, Jeff has done a fantastic ministry there over the years. God's Grand Finale uh, is the book that we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I don't mind saying this, and I mean this in all love and respect to anybody who's involved in the political world and really, you know, working hard to um uh, to to you know impact cultural change when it comes to elections and legal things i'm not diminishing that at all by any stretch of the imagination when we focus on end times things i want to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing it's important to know you know jesus said you know you you know how to interpret the signs of the times we should be watching those things and as much as it pertains to us there are some outstanding organizations uh, My Faith Votes, iVoter Guide, uh, Election Forum with Craig Huey, and, and others that are doing a wonderful job of encouraging people in the church to vote. And I think, quite frankly, we might see a different culture or we might be facing a different outcome now if the church had been engaged more. But what's more important than whether or not the church gets engaged in voting, and I know this is an unpopular <laughs> phrase to say, especially as we get ready for another presidential election, what is even more important than making sure you have all your ducks in a row and that we got the voter rolls all cleaned up and that, you know, one person has one vote and that illegal people don't get to vote and people who are, you know, vote ballot harvesting, you know, isn't misapplied. The most important thing for us in our commission life as Christians is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, you can make the argument that voting for a certain candidate or a certain issue or voting against certain things is part of preaching the gospel, and I don't disagree with that. I like double negatives. <laughs> don't disagree with that. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is being aware of the signs of the times, looking at the world around us, seeing what we're looking at. You know, And whether it's Jeff Kinley or Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who's going to be with us next week, um, we've Rabbi Jason Sobel looking at the miracles of Jesus and the things that are broken in this culture that uh, Jesus restored 2,000 years ago and has still been in that redemptive re restoration process. Let us never forget, you can only get so mad at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You can only get so mad at progressive leftism. You can only get so mad at pastors and, and even conservative politicians who don't act justly. You know, don't do that Micah 6-8 type of thing, you know, to, uh, to live justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. We want everyone to be able to do that. But if they're looking for a target, job one, first and foremost, the most important question in life is who is Jesus Christ to you? And how you answer that question determines where you go for all eternity. As for me, I would say as for me in my house, because that's the great line from Joshua 24, 15. But I'm speaking to you brother to brother or brother to sister in Christ. As for me, God raised me in a church-going home, gave me parents who loved him and had been baptized into the church, raised my sister and my brother and me with the same values, Knowing, of course, that just as we say God loves all of us equally but not the same, um, my parents lived out their faith and lived out their work ethic in a way that my brother and sister and I all saw differently because we're different people. My sister came to faith in Christ when she was in high school. My brother made his profession of faith early in college, as did I. Even though we had 
Uh, what was it? Uh, Brian Duncan in his song, We All Need, said, you know, I've raised with the with the visions and the victory speech, and I strove for standards that I could not reach. I mean, we, if you grew up in the church, you know that. I was raised with the blessings in the victory speech. Um, but understanding that that was my lot until I, when I was in seventh grade, I made a profession of faith, and I accepted Christ on my terms. You know, I'm a good kid. I'm an American. I don't drink and dro- do drugs and never got any girl pregnant you know i'm a good kid i'm on the honor roll you know i mean i'm checking off all the boxes and then my first year at college i went to community college here went to golden west college i've been accepted to cal state fullerton and cal state long beach but just didn't feel like that was the right place for me to be so i went to golden west and i worked part-time and i met up with some people who introduced me to the world of alcohol and and uh you know partying and staying out late and that type of stuff things i'd never experienced before and I found out in fairly short order that I can't drink, can't hold alcohol, neither could my dad, neither could his dad. Um, and so, I, and I'm the only one in the family. My sister and I are kind of teetotalers. My mom and dad used to when they would imbibe you know, a good glass of wine and my brother can hold his booze pretty well. But I couldn't. And I found that out the hard way. You know, two beers and I'm, oh, well, there goes Roger. <laughs> but it wasn't until... Uh, the end of my first year of college, I was getting ready for year number two. I may have shared the story before, but I'll share it again. That this, uh, 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 there were a couple of brothers. They were fraternal twins, the Waringas, Tim and Tom, and uh, or used to be called them Timothy and Tomothy. Uh, we'd gotten to know each other in middle school, seventh and eighth grade. We were inseparable. They went to A.G. Curry Middle School. I went to Hughes right here in uh, Southern H E W E S named for David Hughes, I believe was his name, the guy who provided the golden spike for the Transcontinental Railroad. Good Scottish guy. Um, we, but we went to the same church together in Laguna Hills. And, uh, and for two years, we were pretty tight. I mean, I came to their house a lot. They didn't come to my house because it was, I just like coming to their house. Rode all the way down from Peacock Hill down to the Tustin Meadows. And we were really close until just as what happens with kids. Uh, at the end of eighth grade, they said one day, very matter-of-factly, hey, their dad was a pastor. I always thought he was retired. He just had gray hair prematurely. Uh, they said, hey, guess what? Dad got a calling to a church in West Chicago. We're moving. And so they moved, and they went to the Midwest and stayed there, and they both went to college, and Tim became an educator, and Tom's doing something in that world as well. And uh, we recently reconnected on Facebook. It's kind of fun. But that one night... Well, there was a, a morning service. I was at church, just kind of an ordinary day, and Tom showed up. He was there in between services. He goes, Roger, I said, Tom, what are you doing here, man? He goes, well, I'm st- spending some time with my sister this summer. Can I get a real estate license? Just going to kind of hang out. And I said, well, that, that seemed like Tom. He was, Tim was the more serious one. Tom was kind of the good time guy. And he, then he asked me that fateful question, not who is Jesus to you, but he asked the second most faithful question, which is what time is Bible study tonight? Because he knew we had a college group. I said, six o'clock, it's in the cabin on the lake. He said, great, I'll see you there. I hadn't been to the college Bible study the entire first year of college. Uh, If I got to church on Sunday, that was good enough and maybe choir rehearsal. But Sunday night, there was no way. Well, on this Sunday night, all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with this sense of obligation. And so I went. I went. I went down there. There were about 10 people there, and not one of them was named Tom Moringa. As a matter of fact, I haven't seen Tom since that morning. But I stayed. 
for the Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, we all circled up. We were getting ready to pray. And our college director said, I'm going to start. And he looked at me. I was standing directly across from him in the circle. He said, Roger, why don't you close us in prayer when we're done? And so they all prayed. They're, you know, job interview, school starting, you know, the standard college group prayers. And then it came to me. And I don't know what I said or how I said it this way. I do know that it wasn't me speaking. It was the Holy Spirit. And I just said, God, for most of my life, I have lived to serve you according to my terms. And tonight I surrender and I want to serve you on your terms. And I was standing next to a couple of people and you could just feel this rush of the Holy Spirit going through their hands. And what happened over the next year completely broke me of all my worldly stuff. I thought, I thought I'll never have to go through anything that's difficult again. Everything that I'd been working for in terms of material possessions started flying out the door. And I was just, it was a really challenging time in my faith. But God became more real and my faith walk became more expressive. Now, I share that story with you as an encouragement to say, when I share my faith with you in terms of who God is, over the course of the next 20, 30 years, God showed me himself in many different ways. He led me down many different paths. Many challenges shaped and molded my faith, even four or five years of doing seminary study part-time while I was doing the Bottom Line show when we first started out. And understanding the gospel message, it's more critical now more than ever that we as Christians actually share the gospel message. And the true gospel message is not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God would rather die than live without you. God's chasing you all over the world because he loves you. I mean, if you put that in human terms, if you were to tell a woman, hey, guess what? I'm in love with you and I, I, I know what's best for you and I want what's best for you and all you have to do is say you love me too. She might have a temporary restraining order taken out on me. Who is this weird guy doing this? But in God's case, though, he is pursuing each of us and pursues us with the good news of the gospel, that we're sinful people, we're born into a sinful, fallen world, we can't free ourselves from that sin, and the only hope that we have is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his blood shed on the cross pays the penalty for your sin and for my sin. But we have to accept that gift, we have to receive it. The idea, the universalist idea that says, well, Jesus died on the cross to take away all the sin of the world is great, see you in heaven, go be good to each other. Or what was it, uh, Bill Murray? So be good, for goodness sake. It's no, it's not, it's not like that at all. It's you and I go to that bank of forgiveness and we say, I understand that all my debts have been paid and I have this everlasting life sitting in an account with my name on it and the only person who can access it is me, but I have to tell you I'm me and I want this. I know all my Lutheran friends are spinning right now saying, you're making it sound like you make a decision for Christ. Well, no, but I have to decide to receive the gift. And I do that under the power of the Holy Spirit who gives me the gift of faith that allows me to receive the gift of salvation. Without that, everything that we're doing here on the radio and our churches and our nonprofit groups or whatever is pointless if we don't believe in the resurrection power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, we could see things more clearly. We could see the enemy and the deception that he is trying to weave into the minds of people. And we see how that's manifesting, not so much as something that we are supposed to fight against and to stop, but not something that we just kind of sit idly by and let it happen. On the other side of this break, I want to get into a little bit of analysis, balance, and clarity with regard to how far leftists and progressives are pushing 
to basically destroy the family. They've done everything they can to try to normalize anything other than God's plan A for marriage and for child rearing. And now the whole idea of transgender ideology is the ultimate in confusion for kids as well as for parents. And we'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Our analysis, balance, and clarity segment here, focusing on a piece of legislation that passed in the California State Assembly about a week and a half ago. It's called Assembly Bill 957. You may have heard of this. This is a bill that originally proposed that a court deciding a custody case must consider whether each parent has been gender affirming for the children or child in question. Now, there was an amendment to this bill in June that added to the state standard of what constitutes parental responsibility for child welfare. See, this is the thing. They'll never write a bill that says, if you don't affirm your child is transgender, we're taking your kid. No, they won't do that. Here was the addendum. The addendum, basically, or the amendment, basically said, the state standard of what constitutes parental responsibility for child welfare requires that a parent must affirm a child's gender identity if they are to be judged fit for providing, quote, for the health, safety, and welfare of the child in a court of law. Now, let that sink in for a moment. You know as well as I do. First and foremost, I, I want to I say this very clearly because my friend and colleague Joe Dallas of Genesis Biblical Counseling, who's been podcasting a lot recently, we haven't had him on the show in a couple of years, but Joe uh, was involved in the drug culture. He was part of the LGBT crowd for a while, basically uh, having intimacy with anybody. And once he was delivered from that and came to faith in Christ, he counsels people with unwanted same-sex attraction to help them to learn how to control the urges, if not walk away from it altogether. It's not conversion therapy. He's not zapping anybody, not freezing them to death in their underwear out in the cold or whatever. He's just basically, if a person comes to him and says, hi, I've been same-sex attracted for a long time. I'm even in a relationship right now. I don't want that. Can you help me learn how to manage these feelings? Joe's your guy, hands down. If your kid your daughter has a girlfriend and wants to get married, you don't call Joe and say, fix her. That's, a, that's, that's not what he does. But when it comes to the LGBTQ ideology that so many people are addressing, the first and foremost thing that Joe would say, I think, because I've heard him say it on this program is, I will never tell anyone their feelings are wrong. 
But how do you deal with the issue? Well, okay, there's a big difference between feelings and thoughts. Uh, think of uh, a detransitioner by the name of Chloe Cole. Maybe you've heard this story. This is a girl who received gender-altering treatment at 13 years of age. I don't, she went to a major hospital, like the Mayo Clinic or something like that, and had her breasts removed. Started taking what they call puberty blockers to keep her from fully undergoing puberty and making the transition from uh, girl to young woman. And now she has detransitioned. She's suing the hospital that did the surgery, saying this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts that they're doing this. But think about this for just a moment. The whole point of AB 957, of course, is to normalize transgender ideology to the point where if you as a parent question whether or not your child may or may not be trans, you are not deemed fit to be a parent. Now think about what this means. In the, in the words of the amendment to Assembly Bill 957, quote, the parent has to be judged fit for providing for the health, safety, and welfare of the child. And if they don't affirm a child who has gender confusion and says, I want to be a boy and I'm really a girl or the other way around, that parent will be deemed unfit. Now, this is really, really dangerous ground. I know you're probably saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, there are a lot of parents who aren't really fit to be parents anyway, and we don't take their kids away from them. What about the parent who is fit? See, this is the key. What standard are you using for parental responsibility? If you were to come to any parent who has a newborn child that they're bringing home and tell, say, okay, here's the deal. When that child hits, hits age four or five, you should introduce the concept of gender transition, gender fluidity to them. You should also acknowledge the fact that if that, just because the doctor says that little boy has a penis and testicles, and the, it's not a boy. That's the, that's the gender they're assigning to him at birth. But you should, let, you should let the child decide. True story in our family. Uh, one of, two of our uh, four daughters are mothers, and uh, one is the mother of two children, and one is the mother of one child. And when the mother of two was pregnant with the second child, someone who was a family friend who had access to this person on social media actually sent our daughter, Taylor, a, uh, a message. She had done a couple of ultrasounds. They had done the ultrasound and determined that Nazareth was going to be a boy. You know, there are certain ways you can tell. And she'd even posted on social media, can't wait till baby boy gets here in October, 2022. And this person, who is not really a part of our world anymore, sent her a note and said, hey, you know, um, you really don't want to start assigning gender to the child until the child has a chance to make up his or her own mind. And Taylor handled it very graciously, wrote back and said, actually, you know, we can see this here and this is what we believe and this is how we're going to raise our kids. Uh, you know, which is a very polite way of saying, mind your own business. But this is where people are in their minds. There's so much confusion and there's so much hatred. And see, the enemy can't change God's law. The enemy can't change science. The enemy can't change what we all know is true. Remember those certain inalienable rights endowed by our creator? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. The assumption with the starting of America was that everybody had those rights and we all knew them because they came from God and not from us, not from the government, not from the educational system. 
the reality now is the enemy said, so what did the enemy do when he first, the first sin was committed in the Garden of Eden, not when the enemy said, here, and shoved that fruit down Adam and Eve's throat, but rather he asked the question, did God really say? He brought in confusion. He brought in deception. And so California Assembly Bill 957 is capitalizing on this deception. Here's why it's important. Well, take a little time to unpack that. I'll explain a little bit more about why I think this bill is major in terms of the future of our country, but also interpreting the signs of the times. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. 833-850-BABY. That's the number I've been telling you about for the past year here on The Bottom Line to call our friends at Preborn and make a tax-deductible donation to save lives. You want a sure thing? Let me give you a couple of guarantees. First, when you call Preborn and make a tax-deductible donation of $28, you are providing an ultrasound appointment for a woman who is facing a pregnancy that perhaps she didn't think was going to happen. Or maybe she's in between insurance and she wants to get more than just, you know, that pregnancy test that she takes at the store. Preborn will do the testing for her. They'll do the ultrasound appointment for her and then tell her what her options are because a lot of women, quite frankly, aren't quite sure. They're told by the world, you're either going to have the baby or you're going to have an abortion. But there's the adoption option and Preborn can explain adoption. Preborn can explain how to go through the attorneys. Preborn can explain all the resources available to you as an expectant mother, whether you are married or not. So we encourage you to make a donation. $28 provides one ultrasound appointment. $280 provides 10. And $15,000 one-time donation to Preborn will give a new ultrasound machine to a Preborn clinic that needs one. Call 833-850-BABY today, 833-850-2229, or click the banner at kbrightradio.com. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Everyone wins something if you call in the Bottom Line Show today, 800-227-5278. Not everybody wins in California if Assembly Bill 957, which has now gone on to the state Senate, see if it has AB at the beginning, it started the Assembly, SB, it starts in the Senate. It has to go then to the other house. They have to go through committee and... Um, and, and, and what makes AB 957 so insidious is the fact that it has gone through committee and was voted on by the, the assembly and it passed with flying colors. That basically says if parents are in a custody battle, the parent who does not affirm a child's gender identity will be deemed unfit for providing for, quote, the health, safety, and welfare of the child in a court of law. You take the... Uh, Uh, the family in Texas with the uh, father and then the two twin boys and then mom, who's a pediatrician, who's a leftist, who's just lost her mind and is convinced that one of her sons is actually a girl and went so far as to move them to the People's Republic of California so that they could start puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone treatment on this boy named James, who she refers to as Luna. She has been deemed fit by the court in the state of California to parent this child. But ironically, their home state of Texas, where you'd think there'd be a little bit more common sense, also ruled in favor of mom. But here's the, 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 the issue. This is something even Elon Musk said uh, when he tweeted out on the X channel, which is, used to be Twitter. He said, this, bull is a, this bill is a wolf in sheep's clothing. What it actually means is that if you disagree with the other parent about sterilizing your child, you could lose custody. This is utter madness. And he speaks from experience because he has a child who acknowledged being transgender 
And Elon Musk is the first to say, look, it's those crazy L.A. Pub, private whatever schools that turned my kid this way. There were 4,000 transgender reassignment surgeries performed on children in 2019, and by 2021, it was up to nearly 20,000. It's big business for big pharma. The kids start the hormone replacement therapy at six or seven. They put in the puberty blockers. They start doing the surgeries, which are not covered by insurances. There's no FDA approval for any of these procedures. They're using medications that have been approved for one use for another use. Remember ivermectin during the COVID? We can't use that. That's what ivermectin's got approval for something, but not for COVID. But want to use Lupron on an eight-year-old boy to stop the flow of testosterone and effectively block his puberty from becoming a young man? Sure. Well, that was approved for prostate cancer treatment. So why not? That's the lunacy we're living in. But brothers and sisters, we can get frustrated about this. We should be frustrated about this. We should be calling our state assembly people and our state senators and the governor of this crazy state that we live in. But more than that, don't just stop there. Don't just let that anger rot inside your soul. Look at this and be frustrated. Let your heart break with the things that break the heart of God. But also understand that every time you see a bill like this, it's another step toward the end times. It's another step toward the Lord's return. Now, I'm not sitting here counting. We've had many experts on this past year, and I can tell you, hands down, the most listened to and reacted to programs of the bottom line show this past year have been anything dealing with the end times and the Lord's return. And I'm not, I don't want to sound a false alarm, but brothers and sisters, I want to be ready when the Lord returns. And that means doing a couple of things. First of all, keeping your eye open. Eyes on him, what is he doing? What is really important? How do we use our time? How do we use our resources? What kind of friendships are we engaged in? But then secondly, too, look at the signs of the times. You think of the words of Isaiah, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. God's plan when he created mankind, male and female, and saw it was good, tov. That means you can't add anything to it. This is exactly what God intended. Sin entered the world, and now look what we've got. 76 different genders and kids being mutilated in the sake of parental, parental fitness? Are you kidding me? I wish I were. But there is good news, and that is the bottom line. There is good news, and the good news of the gospel is the bottom line. 